Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in New York City, New York, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. I'm your host, Stone Payton, and in the studio with me this afternoon on beautiful Park Avenue from New York City is Miss Holly Payton. How are you doing, Sunshine? I'm doing good. Have you had a good time today? It's been wonderful. Absolutely so much fun. I'll tell you, smart, passionate folks who are genuinely invested uh, not only in the people they serve, the clients, but but the profession. I mean, this is a, a group of folks that are... I don't know, they just strike me as particularly collaborative and, and genuinely, I, I don't know a better word, invested in, in helping each other. That's, that's been your sense as well? Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm sure this is no exception. Uh, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, uh, founding partner, Grand Poobah, the chief moha over at Christensen Roberts Solutions. Uh, he's also the chair of ATD New York Performance Support SIG, which I believe, if I remember right, is means special interest group. Uh, Mr. Hal Christensen, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, we are delighted to, to have you. I know Holly has a thousand and one questions, uh, but I have one to start out with. Uh, it, it's always helpful to me, and, and I'd like to think for our listeners, if we could just get kind of a fundamental definition of this, uh, of this thing called performance support. Can you, can you just start us out with a, a little primer, just a, a general definition for performance support? Well, I'll grant that it's a difficult term performance support because it means nothing um, and it could mean a million different things. I'm still explaining to people that I don't sell Viagra. (laughs) 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 But the the best way to look at it is look at it from the perspective of training. The goal of training and the goal of performance support is ultimately to have employees be able to perform more effectively on the job. But the problem is that when we do training, we are basing on an assumption that we can take someone, we can train that person in a classroom or online or any kind of a training event or course, that they will we'll be able to teach them everything they need to know, that they will learn everything we teach them, that when they go back on the job, they'll remember everything that we taught them, and that none of it will change over time. And of course, we all know none of that holds up. The concept of performance support is to start at the other end of the horse, to start at the point of performance and say, if we're not going to be able to maintain or hold on to or retain uh, all of the training and most of the training, maybe we retain 30% or so, that's not going to be good enough for on the job performance. What we need to do is focus on what can we provide for people at the point at which they're actually doing the work that will remind them of what they had learned or will provide knowledge that they did not receive Basically, that will provide them with actionable knowledge that will enable them to do the job. So it's something like if you were driving to my house, uh, the idea of my giving you a training course on how to drive to my house doesn't make much sense when I could give you a set of directions, I could give you a map, you could have a GPS, and you would be able to get to my house by following something at the point of which you are doing the, doing the task. And what we're trying to do then is how do we take that kind of an approach how do we make it possible for people to access that knowledge? Would we store the knowledge? How do we get to the knowledge? How do we organize and format that knowledge so that at the point at which they need to do something, it's 4.30 and I have to get something out by 5 o'clock, they can quickly get to what they need and do what they need to do and meet the, meet the deadline. So performance board is focusing on that part, focusing on the, the actual performance 
the point of performance and getting the precise knowledge that someone needs to quickly do the job they need to do. Stone was right. Yeah. I have so many questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm so anxious to hear. Years ago, it was EPSS, Electronic Performance Support Systems. And it was, if you were lucky, it was a context-sensitive help file. And so I am so anxious to hear from someone like you to talk about how has performance support changed over the last five years in terms of what what are the different ways we can deliver this? What are all the different methods that you're using, delivery methods, to give that support that you so eloquently described at the point of performance? Um, yeah, I think we have to go back a little bit further. The term itself uh, is around for 25 years or so. And um, it had a lot of interest in play in the 1990s. There were a couple, several conferences that... Uh, attended and there were the publications and there were there was a community that was put together and so forth and then it sort of died off in the uh, in the, in the aughts as we say and now it's picking up again for the last uh, several years there's new interest in it the EPSS concept was one of the initial ways of framing it as electronic performance support systems and basically there have been two types of things that you can do with performance support um, and Allison Rostad who's a thought leader in the area has suggested there are sidekicks and there are planners. And the type of thing you're talking about is providing support for someone who's trying to use a computer application is sort of a sidekick. At the point at which you're trying to uh, create a new contact within Salesforce, there is some support that is visible that guides you and walks you through that process. And much of the, what's been done in the performance support field has been to support uh, computer applications. I've always thought that performance support is much broader than that. And that the other part of what Allison talks about is not just sidekicks, but planners. And planners are most of the other tasks that many of us do, and certainly knowledge workers and so on, salespeople, whoever it might be, are not uh, – the support that they get is the support of planning for an event. So I'm a salesperson. I'm going to make a sales call. I need the support on how to get myself ready for that. Uh, at the point at which I'm talking to the customer, I don't need necessarily be getting away to have something there that I have to, excuse me, I look at this and, you know, <laughs> you know, you know this type of thing. Um, but if I prepared properly, then I have all the tools and, you know, the resources, all the collateral, whatever, you know, the, I have the questions and so forth. And, and so you can do performance support tools that will support that. So that gets you away from just simply doing something that's for computer application. We've done it for call centers. We've done it in, in many different kinds of uh, companies. Uh, we did a project. <laughs> for uh, for Merrill Lynch uh, years ago, in which we helped subject matter experts who are now being asked to create uh, small training programs but had no experience in training, we provide a performance support system on the what they call the ADDI model, which is a design development ad analysis, design development, implementation, uh, evaluation, uh, to support them in, in that process. So I'm constantly trying to expand that. So in terms of what's happening more recently. Performance sports kind of faded away for a number of years because companies decided they'd like to spend millions of dollars on learning management systems. And everything in a learning management system is, is managing courses, managing events, recording whether somebody took the event and they got a passing score. To say, how does that affect what someone is doing on the job? There's no measurement for that. So learning management systems and, and, and training departments face, based on that 
had no room for performance support because it did not fit into what they were being measured, which is how many courses did you develop and everybody passed the course. And so all that went off the table for a while. But it's come back recently because people are realizing the limitation of that approach. And now there's been a conference that's now for three years running and there's communities and other kinds of stuff. So it's beginning to get that, uh, a new interest and people beginning to say, yes, our, our, our focus is on how to make people perform. We can't just do a course and realize that we're not be extending that into the classroom. We're not following up. That people are just not doing the job. Mm-hmm. We did training, but that's that's all we can say we did. So, so it's it's gained from there. But it's changed. I think it's it's getting. It still tends to be focusing too much on just computer applications. But I think people begin to see it's far more applications as they go forward. It's so refreshing to to hear that it it is being broadened into so many other areas. Um, this area of performance support, would you, would you say it falls into the category of informal learning? Yeah. And so my question is this. I, I've had some conversations with folks, and I think that businesses sometimes get scared about informal learning because just like you said, I don't know how to measure that. When I have a learning management system, I can, how many people attended? How many butts and seats did I have? How many, you know, how, how did they score on the pretest and the post-test and things like that? But with informal learning, organizations are stumped sometimes about how to measure it. How do you, how do you address that? Um, well, the measurement for performance support is not the measurement of the event, but the measurement is the business measurement the metrics. So if you are p- developing a performance support system for well, somebody using a computer application or for a salesperson or whatever, what you are measuring is widgets or sales or response time or customer satisfaction. The, the things that the business unit is measuring is what you're trying to achieve. Whether or not somebody use it, how they use it, when they use it, whether they score and test, has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not they perform. The issue is are they performing? Right. That's the only thing you want to measure. And so if you find that after you've implemented something that people are not performing as well as we want in one area, then you can ask the question that maybe what we're doing supporting that area is not strong enough. We need to change something. If we find out that a a call center is now handling more calls than they used to or making more sales than we used to or whatever it might be, then you can say, yes, this obviously must be having some sort of impact. Trying to measure the behavior of somebody using it is, is... measuring all the wrong stuff (laughs) it has nothing to do with whether or not somebody actually does the job and if they're doing the job effectively then you you assume this has a positive impact right so it's a much stronger partnership with the business yes which is is what we all want uh well it's it's something that we've lost because we have tended to move away from that we do any kind of real good instructional design and anything else the, the, the tradition always has been that you had to get into the workplace and understand what the job was and so forth. We've been trying to get away from that because it takes time and we don't have people who necessarily can do that within the learning and development area. And so we kind of hold back and we'll guess they need this and we'll give them this and, 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 and testimony. What this demands is that you, you understand what the, what the job is, what support they need at a particular point and can measure that it's having an effect. Okay, I I have uh, on a totally different path. I I have a founder Mm. question. Because you're obviously a subject matter expert in this field of performance support. No question about that. But oh, by the way, you're also a founder. You're like running a business. (laughs) It's like, how does the sales and marketing thing work? How do you run your own business? You're you're an expert over here, and you have this whole other job of running 
<clears throat> a business. Can you speak to that some? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it doesn't it, have Yes, it is a challenge. Uh, it's got to be. Uh, that's why I have a partnership instead of a uh, sole proprietorship. Because <laughs> I have a partner who's a little bit better at this than, than I am. And we have people who can handle many of the things that I would not do very well at all. Um, but it's a struggle. It, it's a struggle of anybody running a business. You, you form the business because you are an expert in something and you like to do it and you do it well. Then you realize you have to look in the mirror and say, I am not that expert. I am a businessman. It's a business I'm running and this is the major thing. And, 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 and what I do is secondary in a sense to the, the actual running of the business. And so anybody who is, whether you're just a freelancer, whether you're running a uh, individual proprietorship or, or partnership or some small business, you're constantly juggling those those hats. Uh, I wish I did it better, but uh, somehow I've survived. But. but at some point, you must have made the decision, <clears throat> I'm not going to work for this large organization. I'm going to do my own thing or, or surround myself with a handful of really strong <laughs> people, and then we're going to do our mm-hmm. own thing. Can you, did, what was the impetus for that decision? What <clears throat> compelled that shift? Was it a big decision? Was it a no-brainer? Was it? Um, well, it was sort of a, a transition. Um, my last regular job in a big corporation, I was working for the uh, Morgan Bank before it was part of J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, and this was 30 years ago when I was getting very much into certain kinds of things, particularly e-learning or computer-based training, as we talked about then. Morgan wasn't interested in that at that point, and I had an opportunity to join a small consulting firm at that point to do it, and I was in for a number of years, and then 20 years ago set up uh, our company. But part of it was recognizing, I think, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not a kid anymore, I've been around, and getting to a certain point where you realize that you have to depend, your marketability is basically on your own, own skills. Um, and that once you get up to a certain age, the age factor is going to be a factor in terms of finding jobs and getting a job at 60, 65, or some other type of thing. And that uh, at some point you need to be at a point where you're on your own and running your own job, so then you're not at the whim of some other particular individual within within a corporation. And if you've worked for other companies for long enough, you say, I want to get the heck out of here <laughs> and set up my own stuff. And having ideas that the organization you're working with uh, working for don't quite share and for me it was a passion to be able to use technology in, in, in the learning field and uh, trying to find places where I can do that so it was one company that eventually decided uh, we weren't you know, I wouldn't want to keep with that and set up my own, my own partnership. You obviously saw a, a need in the market that you could fill that that wasn't being filled in other ways. Yeah I, I thought I did. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and you obviously have. We'll be the judge of that. <laughs> Malou, you had a question. Yeah, Hal. Um, Hal recently developed a very useful model for performance support. Well, I'll be the judge of that. Let's hear about <laughs> <it>. <laughs> and uh, and you know, I know Hal not just as a learning practitioner. He's also very much into the weeds, very nerdy, and he, <laughs> he likes... In, in, in the most positive way. In, the, po- in the positive <laughs> he, he likes to get into, into the technology and the programming itself, and, and I'll, I'll let him uh, talk about it because he's come up with a very useful tool that I think uh, everybody <coughs> can use with his guidance. Lay it on us, Hal. Hal? (laughs) Hal, that's your cue. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I hope you can live up to all that. 
Well, the issue all along with performance support is trying to find some way to make it uh, practical in some way that people can easily understand it and have some sort of models and structures that can be used. And for the last 20-some-odd years I've been working on this, it's always trying to find models that I can apply in a variety of different situations so you're not treating each situation as a whole cloth. So we've developed various models over the years uh, to provide just-in-time knowledge, or we've developed several things to support computer application use and, and a variety of stuff. What I'm finding now, it's still the same issue, that there are... When you talk about performance support, one, people think only in terms of computer application, and that the tools that are available, commercial tools, largely focus on supporting computer applications. And so if I want to do something to support a sales force uh, process, um, then um, there aren't, isn't too much out there. So I've been trying to develop something. How do we break it down to the simplest form, provide something that somebody in any organization can say, well, I'm doing a training program, and I want to make sure that people are able to retain and have the knowledge that I've taught them, be able to have something at the point in which you're doing the work, be able to get support for that. Uh, how do I do that? What kind of model? And there hasn't been too much that's out there. So I've been developing what I call the, the playbook model and sort of based on you know, the sports metaphor, if I can use it, the football players have a playbook uh, and every player has one for their role or their uh, the, tight end or the quarterback, uh, left guard or whatever it might be. Um, and basically in, what we do with the playbook is to take any role within an organization and define what are the responsibilities that you're looking to, that they have to do. What are the, what is the process they need to follow to carry out those responsibilities? And then what are the activities within those responsibilities that they have to carry out? And if you can map that out, then you can go through it and say, okay, for each one of these activities, what can I give that person at that point, that would enable them to do that activity. Can I give them a checklist? Is that good enough? Okay, I'll give them a checklist. Can I give them a decision tree to help them walk through something? Can I give them a template uh, so that they can, <coughs> the thing we did for the subject matter experts, lots of templates. I want to do uh, create an instructor's guide. Well, here's a template for instructor's guide. Here's instructions on how to do instructor's guide. Here's a filled out instructor's guide, all these kind of stuff. So you're taking somebody 70% along the way. They're not sitting in front of Word and saying, now I have to, I have to somehow... <coughs> format word and figure out how to put together an instructor's guide, you're taking them along the way. And so if you look at that model from responsibility to process to, to the activities, you can begin to then say, okay, where do I put in the various tools and, and knowledge and so on and competencies, information, whatever I need to fit that particular activity. Then, And how do we then make that possible? Well, basically, the key to doing any of this stuff, or the easiest way to do any of this stuff, is, it, is to create something which is basically web-based. So it's an HTML file, a file, a series of HTML files, interconnected, so that I can move down through that process from responsibility down to the task I'm working on and so forth. So to find a way in which I can create HTML files very easily with a sort of WYSIWYG environment, what you see is what you get, so you don't have to do any programming or any of that type of thing, uh, make it cheap and inexpensive to do, enable somebody who wants to say, I want to support my program, to be able to create something in a short period of time to get it out there uh, for for use. Excuse me. <coughs> and so I've been working on that and looking at various tools that you can use to do that. And uh, there are several types of tools that are out there. One is uh, uh, basically uh, help authoring tools are very good for doing this type of thing, and those are usually fairly inexpensive. 
Um, I've seen where people are using things like WordPress and wiki structures to do that. And one that I've been working with, one of my favorites is, is Evernote, if you're familiar with that, uh, which is an inexpensive, if it's free tool. And you can easily create pages which can be converted to HTML and, and put up on a shared drive or server. So that you'd be able to put all of these tools and resources within one structure. There's one URL that someone goes to and they drill down to what they want, the two or three clicks to get the information they want. They don't have to say, oh, to get this, I got to go remember the URL for that, and that's over here, and this is over here, and uh, in SharePoint, and this is over here, ooh, over here, someplace else, and so forth, that all of those aren't just in one spot. And so the concept of the playbook is to be able to do something with little or no cost that you can easily fill in and expand and, and grow, and that's what I've been um, working with, and the goal is to produce that in a way and to then coach and help work pe with companies people within companies who would like to expand that and to create some. The main idea is that you, you get ultimately a proof of concept, that you ought to get something that you can take within your organization, say, see, this works. And then if you need to want to buy more expensive tools and make more elaborate and extend, you can do that, but you don't have to start by saying, I have to invest in 50000 or 100000 or $200,000 in tools, and i got to go do this and this and this. You basically can overnight begin to start to, to do something. In the software engineering field, they call that uh, minimum viable platform. That you're trying to get the, the least amount of things, simplest thing out there that people can use and begin to uh, appreciate. And the movement is only going to grow when we are able to do that. If we have to rely on, I have to sell top management to buy this tool and then I have to sell them on the concept and so on, we're going to be, this is what's delayed us for many years. What I'm trying to get at is something that any anybody can say, I want to do this with my my courses, my audience, and I think I can do it. I can do it fairly inexpensively, and then we can get further funding if we need to do that. And really remove the barriers to doing performance support, which yep. which time and speed and cost and all of that that you mentioned this model addresses is what what I've kind of seen are people uh, the barriers that people throw up to say yeah. I, I'm not going to go down that that performance right. support right. route. Right. So where can our listeners go to learn more, maybe have a substantive conversation with you or somebody on your team? Is there a website, phone number, email, something like that? Uh, best thing is to uh, send me an email. It's uh, Christensen, C-H-R-I-S-T-E-N-S-E-N, -E -E at crsol.com. And I'd be happy to uh, talk with uh, anyone. You can check out my LinkedIn page. Um, be happy to chat with anybody who has an interest in this. Fantastic. Well, Hal, thanks for coming in and visiting. That was, uh, I know I learned a lot. Of course, I started out not knowing very much. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that <laughs> you training development people would know better how to measure that. But What uh, a fabulous honor to, to, be, have, uh, to have the chance to spend some time with you. This was absolutely great. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Well, and Malou, thanks for putting this thing together. I tell you, you're batting a thousand today. You, <laughs> you put the whole day together, right? I mean, you just, you hang out with these folks and y'all just talk about all this smart stuff. Yeah. You're, my, my regular buddies. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. My, uh, my beeps. Uh, all kidding aside, Hal, this is fantastic conversation. Uh, I'm sure we'll get an opportunity to do it again sometime. I, I know we all have more questions, but uh, thank you again. Thank you again. My pleasure. All right. Until next time, Stone Payton, Holly Payton, Malou, uh, our buddy Hal, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family, special thanks uh, to our good friends at Training Pros. We'll see you next time on Learning Insights. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.